there's more respect and dignity allocated um, when places are being constructed or um, demolished. They talked a lot about how COVID-19 has put them behind, how it was hard to, you know, um, communicate with the community and let them know that these demolitions were going to happen. You have to pay attention to the consequences of that. And so again, that's structural racism in action. In North St. Louis, everyone talks about how it's empty and vacant and derelict. No, we are actually thriving over here. I'm Sarah Fenske. This is St. Louis on the Air. How do we achieve a healthy life? And what kind of world do we want to leave for the next generation? Those two questions are front and center in the new season of the podcast, We Live Here. That podcast is produced by St. Louis Public Radio and PRX. And in its eighth season, its focus is on environmental racism. The first episode dropped last week. It focuses on an urban farm in the Greater Ville neighborhood of North St. Louis. Artist Dale Chambers and Samaya Suduth have big plans. They want to create a for-profit community center that brings people together to grow flowers, crops, and healing herbs. An educational center is also part of the plans, as Dale explained. The perimeter of the garden is going to be our educational garden because that's the easiest way to access the public. And we will have signage and art-based material so that people understand what they're actually looking at. So often we take walks in urban communities and there might already be plant flora there for us. There might be lavender there for us, but we don't understand that this is not just a decorative beautification project. This is actually a healing herb that we're walking by. So we just want to let people know that even the little bit that we have is worth our attention and our understanding and our usage. And that is artist Dale Chambers, as featured in the newest episode in the new season of We Live Here. But as the episode makes clear, these artists' good intentions have come up against some hard realities. And joining us today to talk about this episode and what comes next this season are co-hosts Lauren Brown and Ja Lian Yang. So, Lauren, welcome. Hi. And Ja, welcome. Hey. So, Ja, this is the third season you've co-produced with Lauren. What first got you interested in environmental racism? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, our last seasons, we really had to pivot to breaking news, COVID-19 and the uprising for Black Lives. But in this season, we wanted to do a larger topic. And, you know, locally, we've had a lot of activists and advocates really interested in environmental racism. On a national level, you also hear interest, for example, with the Green New Deal and um the consensus is really that climate issues and issues related to the environment can't be put off any longer. And really, we've been putting them off too long. And one thing that we wanted to point attention to is that Black people have been um, really saying, yeah, these are issues that need to be addressed now. Hmm. So in this first episode, we really get to know Dale and Samaya. Lauren, what led you two to them? Well, Ja actually um, was able to speak with someone. Also, they work with the mothership and they do a lot of um, urban farming and they're also doulas. And so it really just brought us to, you know, the things that they're dealing with with the farm. Um, As you can hear in the background, it was also demolitions going on from the bacon buildings. And so it really was an interesting story to show how they want to bring this community fresh produce. They want to bring more life and more vibrancy to the community, but they're in the midst of this 
you know, this obstacle. Yeah, so these demolitions, these play a big role in this episode. John, what are some of the issues involved with, uh, I guess, demolitions of of, uh, vacant houses that are going on right in the immediate environs of this urban farm? Yeah, we really wanted this episode to be the first one to kick things off because so many issues are complex. So, you know, when you have vacant houses, it can be really troubling. You know, these are structures that can pose a danger. You know, if anything is crumbling, that could fall on someone. Um, But also there's toxins in there. So a lot of these houses are super, super old. And because of that, they're more likely to have things like lead-based paint, even asbestos, and that can get into the environment. And also what you see happening is that when you have vacant buildings, Um, when you have not a lot of attention to pay to certain areas, um, crime can happen, um, violence can happen, um, shootings can happen. And that's actually something that Samaya, one of the farmers, uh, openly talked about in the episode as wrestling with. Um, They said that when things were cleared, they were able to see their surroundings more, be more aware of what was going on around them. But at the same time, they wanted these demolitions to go the right way. So um, when you have lead-based paint, you really need to wet the structure in order to reduce dust from getting into the environment. And what they were saying was that um, when the demolitions were happening, they did not see that happen. Hmm. And their frustrations with these demolitions, these go even beyond the possible release of toxins, as big an issue as that is. Um, Here's something that Samaya told you. And I think we need to speak truth to what's happening is that this is a primarily African-American neighborhood with high crime, high poverty, high health disparities, and it's being treated as like a toss aside, you know, like, oh, we're here to, you know, demolish all these buildings, and let's not take care while we do it. There's mud in the street, there's stuff everywhere, and let's be real. If we were in another part of St. Louis, a more economically privileged, more racially privileged space, these practices would not be happening. And that is Samaya Sudath, as featured on the latest episode of the podcast, We Live Here. Um, Lauren, these demolitions have made a huge impact on their plans. It sounds like they're basically saying they, they can't even go on with this right now. How, how long do they think they're going to have to put this on hold? Well, right now they're waiting for the demolitions to end. They've been trying to cover the soil and cover the farm with uh, burlap and tarp and things of that nature. So I guess they're just probably just waiting until they can, you know, go back out there. Because in the episode, Dale talks about having to stay at a hotel because the the air that they were breathing in was just so bad. Um, Sometimes they go out there to clean and they can't even stay long. Even when we were there interviewing, you know, we left with a little tickle in our throats with a little cough. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, figuring out when this safe to go back. So, Ja, you you two talk to the city about whether these demolitions are being handled the way that they're supposed to be handled. What did you learn from those conversations? Well, those conversations are really important. Whenever we do an accountability piece, we have to make sure we get the perspective of everyone involved. And so we talked to Frank Oswald, the building commissioner for the city, and also Laura Ginn, who's the city's vacancy strategist. What we learned is that, again, these issues are complex. And what we mainly, the the main takeaway I got is that, you know, there are budget constraints and then there's also lack of capacity in the departments. So what I want people to know is that racism is not necessarily an interpretation personal issue. You could have people with the best intentions in offices. Um, but also, there's a problem when uh, the city allocates money towards demolitions and prioritizes demolitions um, 
without allocating money to enforcement, without allocating money to oversight, and also without paying attention to what is the culture of the city of, of people um, when they think about different areas? Where is more respect and dignity allocated um, when places are being constructed or um, demolished? We need to be thoughtful about that. And so again, um, the quote that you kind of played with Samaya really points to there might be more care in certain areas. And also when you have people who have limited capacity, then things like this might fall through the cracks when there's open fires or when uh, care is not taken to wet down structures. Um, that may have lead-based paint. It's a problem. Yeah, and you mentioned there these might be people with good intentions. Ja, I thought it was very interesting that the city told you this is actually a small minority-owned firm doing the demolitions. It sounds like the firm isn't, uh, they're not doing a bad job on purpose. It's maybe just, this is, I don't know. Uh, What do you make of that? Yeah, so um, I learned a lot, uh, which is basically that the city had this plan to demolish a lot of buildings. That was a huge priority. But contractors have to catch up with new regulations. So hmm. um, misting fans, um, the requirement to um, check in, for example, to an online system and say, hey, this is my location so that inspectors, uh, building inspectors, health inspectors can maybe come by if they have capacity to. All of that was new, very recent in the last couple of years. And so, you know, what these farmers are raising, these artists are raising is that these processes may have had good intentions. They may have had a a plan. They may have, you know, consulted with the EPA and the Delta Institute, but the execution was flawed. And so, um, when you have uh, vacant buildings disproportionately in black and poor neighborhoods, you have to pay attention to the consequences of that. And so again, that's structural racism in action. Hmm. I did get the sense from your conversation with the city that they were going to be more mindful of this going forward, that um, you reaching out had, had put this even more on their agenda and that there's some good reforms underway. Lauren, do you feel hopeful that this is headed in the right direction or are you skeptical of, of some of the good things they at least said in that interview? I think I'm still skeptical for sure. Um, You know, right now they talked a lot about how COVID-19 has put them behind, how it was hard to, you know, um, communicate with the community and let them know that these demolitions were going to happen. But also, um, you know, I just think that it's always good to keep an eye on what's going on and to always be skeptical because you never know. (laughs) That is a very wise policy, Ja. I imagine you would agree with that, too. It's you just always have to be skeptical in this world. I do. Um, One of the comments that Dale made that still sticks with me is that she just wishes as a resident she got notices from the city that there was some campaign, maybe even a foot campaign, just to tell people, um, inform them, educate them about what's going on with demolitions, what are the health risks. She said that didn't happen. And to me, um, the, the people I talked with with the city spoke a lot about technology solutions, and they said that they needed to do that because of budget reasons. But to me, I'm always going to be in favor of solutions that regard people, think about what people need. And this is what a resident said that she needs. And I hope that's kind of the direction that maybe one day in the future we'll go towards. Hmm. Well, it's very clear these two artists are up against some tall odds with this project. But I think it's really worth noting, even though outsiders might be tempted to look at them and, and look at their neighborhood with some pity, they really resist that. Here's what Dale Chambers told you. In North St. Louis, everyone talks about how it's empty and vacant and derelict. No, we are actually thriving over here. It is actually peaceful a lot of times. And um, 
there's so many people who are already health conscious. So for me, um, the pandemic let me know that we do have hope and that people are actually doing what it takes to eat healthy foods and vegetables. And we are bigger than any unhealthy stereotype out there. And that is Dale Chambers. Lauren, how do you reconcile that optimism with some of the -the on-the-ground realities that you guys found in your reporting? Yes. So something that comes back to me over and over again is even last season with the uprising, you know, um, these different communities have always learned how to work around and Sometimes people think that they aren't aware of the things that are going on, but it's all about education and being able to know what environmental racism is, what environmental justice is, and how they can work to um, fix these challenges. And I think as we go through the season, you will be able to see that there are um, black activists that are constantly working, working every day to make sure that, you know, mold and housing, lead, um, different air pollutions and the asthma uh, rates that are higher in these communities, that they're able to to put put these things in, in in out in the open so that people understand more and that everything can be um, actually dedicated to a specific area and not just you know trying to fix things ab- uh, widely. Mm-hmm. So, Lauren, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been talking a lot about this first episode because I really enjoyed getting to dig into it and listen to it. But this is just episode one. You have nine more making up this season. Um, ja, what are some of the other topics that you see yourself getting into over the course of it? That's a great question. Obviously, we don't want to give too much away, but Lauren did um, point out, you know, we're going to be talking about things like asthma. Um, There are really high rates of asthma in St. Louis. They disproportionately uh, um, impact black children. Um, We're going to also be talking about reproductive justice, thinking about the whole lifespan of a person that when you have um, environmental issues and housing conditions, they can impact even a developing baby and the birthing person. And like Lauren said, we're going to be focusing also on black activists in the environmental justice movement. Traditionally, the environmental justice has movement has been seen as a white movement. But when you look at the history, when you look at what's happening on the ground, grassroots movements, you're going to hear a lot about how there are Black people at the forefront because they're working on issues that um, disproportionately impact them. And we're always going to bring that light to the way that they're positively impacting change in their communities. Hmm. So I believe it was Ja who mentioned earlier that um, this podcast has been interrupted by huge breaking news stories in its past two seasons. Um, Heading into this third season, Lauren, I'm curious, how much do you chart out where you see this going versus kind of follow things as news breaks? Um, I think this time around, specifically this season, since we were able to pivot, you know, with the COVID-19 season and the uprising season, that we really wanted to bring that that essence of we live here, those accountability pieces, those um, deeply narrative stories. Um, And I think that's something that we want to bring back this season. Um, You know, things happen, things might change. And when those times come, we might have to pivot. But I think this is something that we're that we're focusing on right now because it's, it's such a huge, important topic. Boy, it is a huge, important topic, and I think it's going to be great to follow where this goes over the course of of these next uh, nine more episodes. So, Lauren Brown, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. And Jalian Yang, thank you. Thanks for having us. We do want to remind you We Live Here is produced by PRX and St. Louis Public Radio. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.